This is MJ. I love comics, and right now I want to talk about vintage Marvel comics. Captain America number 8 came out in uh, November of 1941, or that's the sell-by date. Anyway, I didn't take a screen grab of the, uh, of the actual uh, information that comes with it for that particular issue. But anyway, I'm going to start off showing off the uh, covers. Um, again, I'm not going to complain about them. Uh, just, it's funny how much the covers differ from what's in the actual books, but this one, you know, there's an Egyptian, there's a Pharaoh guy in it. There's a, a mummy and a gargoyle. I, I guess that blends in with everything else in the issue. That's, you know, whatever. But then there's a couple splash pages. So first they fight this Pharaoh over this, um, Nile Ruby that he keeps, uh, trying to seal from people because of the curse. And then they actually do fight. Uh, well, yeah. So then the next person that Cap and Bucky fight against is this uh, Pierre Dumont, um, who, well, I'll get into him later. He's a Frenchman. He's a v Vichy French guy. Um, then the next person that they fight is uh, the Black Witch. So this is entitled Captain America in the Case of the Black Witch. Let me see. It's uh, coming in really blurry, unfortunately. Again, if you go to mjmunios.com um, slash podcast, you'll be able to find Swinging Through Comics there and look at the image because I'll definitely have these covers and splash pages posted there. I don't know why it's so darn blurry. Then Stan Lee did a prose story called The Young Allies Deal a Blow for Justice. I guess that's the title of it. And uh, those were the stories in it. Um, I did, well, I'm just kind of going to talk about the theme of them broadly. So uh, it's interesting we have like a heist story with this pharaoh. So there's this guy, he looks like a pharaoh. Um, so there's, you know, Egyptian, you know, lore or whatever being brought in. Then we have um, this black witch, which is, uh, you know, the occult, so to speak, being brought in. And then this last story is pretty mundane. It's uh, these thugs that are trying, they're, they're going to torture, they've captured Betty Ross, and they're going to torture her for information on a super weapon, uh, like a secret torpedo that the U.S. has been developing to fight, you know, against the uh, Axis powers. And um, what strikes me as interesting, I'm really sorry this image is so blurry, what strikes me as interesting is that uh, you have half the stories are about, like, adventure type stuff, um, and thieving and kind of bringing in the supernatural elements and then the other two stories are actual war stories or stories that have to do with u.s interests so um the one with dumont um the men at camp lehigh are engaging in um they call it a sham battle or like a sham war but it's um uh, gosh those military exercises that they do they call them now i can't remember because the word you know, like the phrase sham war or whatever is sticking in my mind but basically these guys are running Oh, what do you call it in football when you do a scrimmage? Like, do, they're doing a scrimmage against each other, and he slips in live fire rounds so that people are actually getting hurt, and he has this whole plot that, you know, Cap and Bucky unveil, or unravel, rather. Um, and then with the uh, Egyptian guy with this, uh, what do they call it? It's supposed to be Raw, um, which I didn't remember Raw having a hawk head, but I don't, isn't that Osiris and Raw? I don't know what Ra's head would be. Ra's like the eye. It's the sun god. So maybe it is the bird. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, that was uh, just kind of a standard heist. And um, it's kind of funny to me uh, that, I don't know, it's a, it's a little bit random. Um, there's been some, like, the first 
two issues for sure, I think, were like pretty focused on the war. And then there was like the German Bund uh, that was addressed here. And like there was some stuff in, I think there were Oriental giants that they fought early on. And then they went, they didn't go to Pearl Harbor, <laughs> but in like uh, one of the issues, they went and visited Hawaii and there was a harbor uh, where ships were docked and they dealt with the Navy and stuff. And, you know, this is... Uh, Pearl Harbor doesn't happen until December 7th, 1941, and CAP started in March of 1941. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I have a question here. My title and premise of this this analysis is, is this CAP or Scooby-Doo? Because uh, it's really funny that CAP gets involved in these non-war things, and it's like, uh, it's just, it's interesting that he would be dealing with thefts and like the premise of this uh, case, of the Black Witch, is that there's someone who is fit to uh, win like an inheritance from an eccentric relative who had died, and they have to stay three nights in this reportedly haunted castle. And then somebody uses uh, technology and stuff to trick them into believing that um, it is in fact haunted. And uh, it was pretty cool to see like monsters and occultish type things dealt with in this issue. And, uh, but like, as I started reading the story, it became more and more clear to me what it was. They even have like the, you know, the, the kitschy, uh, can't be like, uh, 1960s Adam West Batman, how they have everything labeled in the Batcave. Well, Bucky ends up stumbling upon these controls that can, there's a dummy monster dial and a moving armor dial. <laughs> and he finds these things as well as a camera that projects out the images. Do I have, I may have not grabbed that anyway. He's got a projector that puts out, you know, the spectral or the ghost projections, and, like, those are what's used to to scare off the lady, and then, like, Cap and Bucky try to fight them, and they're unable to, so they're wondering, are these really ghosts um, of some sort, you know, phantom spirits, whatever, and then they realize that they're not, which was, you know, interesting, and, like, there was tension, and there was drama, and it was interesting overall, and I enjoyed reading it, but it's just, it's so funny, like, Betty is in danger. She calls the FBI. She has suspicions of who the person is. They attack her, and then she, uh, you know, gets saved by Captain Bucky, and sure enough, Cap pulls off his mask, pulls the mask off of the witch, and sure enough, the witch was, you know, this obvious person. His name was even, his last name was even Ferret, so, like, they gave him a villainous name, and it's just, it was kind of cheesy, but I don't know, is it, is it of the time? Is it just entertaining? I was definitely entertained. I just find it interesting how it relies on, on that. And then, I have a few, like, dumb grumbles. Um, is the ferret guy says, they won't come back. The place is repeatedly haunted by a ghost known as the Black Witch. First of all, is it a ghost or is it a Black Witch? What is it? I mean, in Scooby-Doo, they do it all the time. Oh, this ghost is called the This-This. And it's like, well, how can an astronaut be a ghost? You know, and I don't know if uh, if that one was a ghost or not, but... It's just funny, and it feels very Scooby-Doo, because, oh, it's the Phantom this, the Phantom that, and uh, it's just kind of odd, you know, Scooby-Doo's for kids. I mean, comics are an all-age affair, and uh, like I said, I was definitely entertained. It's just kind of odd, and just the, the consistency bugs my, you know, pedantic, nerdy mind, so. Um, but, like, there's good art. Um, this is a really great scene where Cap busts through a wall or a door, and he said, did someone call me? But it's just, it's really awesome how he busts through, uh, oh, because he and Bucky were following these, uh, these you know, thugs. Um, were there other things I wanted to highlight? I mean, I honestly think the art is better and better. Like, it, it really, it's really good. It really shines. There was, oh, this one with, I think Betty Ross looks so cool in this. Um, 
you know, she's an FBI agent, and while she does get captured, she does get uh, taken by villains uh, a couple times in the issue. She still gets to be tough and cool and capable, and she's smart and brave, and, you know, she goes after, in this one, she's going after the Pharaoh, and, like, you know, she just, she's in this, you know, nice dress, and she just whips out a gun from who knows where, and she's all ready to fight, and she kind of has, like, buff arms, like, you know, she looks like a woman who can take care of herself, and, like, that's cool that they, uh have that running and she's an interesting character and I'd like to see what more goes on with her. I don't know if, you know, she's Betty Ross, Petty, Peggy Carter is like from the Cap movie. I don't know where she is throughout Marvel history, um, but there is like a Lieutenant Carter in this issue and that name kind of sparked in my mind and I thought, oh, is that going to be, she can be related to him at some point down the line or, you know, what is that? But that's neither here nor there. That's not the comic itself. This shot, uh, there's this great shot of Der, Dermont, I think is the guy's name. Um, the French guy, the Vichy French, uh, who's watching over the scrimmage, the practice battle, and he is loving the fact that the men are killing each other because, you know, he switched out the ammunition, and he's talking about how, um, you know, with them killing each other by accident or by friendly fire, that there will be less enemies for Europe and for, you know, the Axis powers over there and stuff, and it's just, uh, it's a really greatly composed dramatic shot, and... Um, like you get to see up front and close the injuries. Like Steve realizes that a couple guys are actually getting hurt by live fire and he, you know, calls for help and he tries to fix things. But then this guy's all the way back. He's apart from it and he's watching it and he's gleeful. And just like his posture and the way his dialogue works and everything, it, um, oh yeah, Dumour, that's what his name is. It says right there on the caption, duh. Um, he's just like eating it up and it just makes him really nasty and villainous and it's great. He's actually the one who gets busted on when, uh, Cap and Bucky fly through that door, um, which was pretty great. And then, because we're in the time of, uh, you know, the Modelo virus, as uh, Young Ripper calls it, um, there's this great shot of Cap and Bucky running through the field of battle with um, uh, gas masks on. And I don't know why, that just, well, all this mask stuff right now really tickled me. Um, Anyway, it's just kind of a highlight. Let's see, what else do I have? I talked about the horror aspects of it. I mean, we've got great artwork here. Um, I was on the marvel.com site looking at this and there's some extended credits and I guess I'll talk about that later. Um, man, I really want to make a meme with Betty showing her, uh, doing, you know, gun stuff and then, you know, cool lady stuff and have a, you know, get a woman who can do both. Um, uh, just cause you know, she's sassy and they have this weird thing where she, and she keeps running into Steve and like kind of thinking he's a schmuck and, uh, anyway. It's just funny because then she runs into Cap and she's you know very grateful for, to him for all he does and how he saves her and whatever. So it's kind of fun. I did want to mention Whitewash Jones because um, Chris of Comics Comic Tropes mentioned him recently when he was talking about uh, kid gangs in comics because it's a trope from that time. And uh, introduced in Captain America number five, we saw... The Sentinels of Liberty all working together, um, and we got to see uh, the group is diverse. There's a girl, there's a chubby guy, there's um, a guy with glasses, maybe a smart guy, uh, there's a rich guy. Bucky's kind of the leader of them besides Cap, of course, and then there's a, a black kid in the group, and apparently his name is Whitewash Jones, and that's really surprising to me. Um, <laughs> it's really surprising to me, and I just thought it was interesting, and I didn't know the name of him uh, until uh, Comic Tropes brought it up and highlighted him. Uh, and I also 
didn't know the name of him because I hadn't read enough. So he shows up in Cap 5. We see him. He's clearly black and drawn in like the like racist caricature or minstrel show version of a black person that was drawn or there's lots of examples of illustration and art from, I'm just going to say that time broadly. I don't know if that was a 20 year period an 80 year period or what, but, um, anyway, you know, it's racist. Um, it's a racist depiction of caricature. Uh, but I'm going to, at the risk of people hating me and thinking I'm a terrible person, read some of this dialogue from here because it's really bad. Um, this is part of the persona and the caricature of blacks from the time. So I'm just going to read straight from here. So uh, a couple, one of the kids, Knucks, Knuckles, from the kid gang, from the Sentinels of Liberty, sees that Betty Ross is in trouble, and then he rounds up other kids from town to go save her. So he goes to this rich kid's house, Jeff, and then they run along. Here's what happens. In a few minutes, the two lads ran into two other boys while turning a corner. Hey, look where you all am going, cried one of the boys as he dropped a piece of watermelon out of his hand. This is where my uh, attention was drawn because I thought, oh no, this, this is going to be whitewash, isn't it? Put that melon away and follow us, whitewash, ordered Jeff, who's the rich guy. <laughs> Someone's in trouble and we've got to assist her. Yeah, bo! They've been saying Yahoo up until this point. That's like the motto of the Sentinels of Liberty, I guess. Uh, yeah, bo! yelped the darky lad. I's just itching to meet up with some trouble, providing it ain't bigger than me, of course. Wait for me, fellers, called the second boy. Ah, oh, it'll take you an hour to catch up, Tub. Um, you better grab a bus, shouted Knuckles over his shoulder. But just the same, the Sentinels waited with the stout Tubby Tinkle, or while the tout, <laughs> tubby, stout Tubby Tinkle caught up to them. Let's see now, who am missing, asked Whitewash Jones. There's me, of course, and Nux, and Jeffson, and Tubby. So, it's interesting. There's a very interesting approach to diversity, and this is written by Stanley. The dialogue is written by Stanley, but Whitewash Jones himself was created by the legendary Jack King Kirby. And obviously, he was comfortable to an extent with the caricature. And, uh, Lee, who I think was only 17 years old or so at the time, while Kirby was, I don't know, 5, 10 years older than him. Okay, this is me breaking in real quick. I looked up their birthdays. Uh, Kirby was born in August of 1917, and Lee was born in December of 1922, which makes uh, Kirby five years and like three months older than Lee. Uh, I also later make a comment about... Um, the treatment of whitewash not being like super racist. It's super racist. I, I, I don't mean to excuse it. Uh, I said it's not that bad. It is that bad. Um, but uh, I, I'm just saying within the context, like they're treating him this way. I just, is it going to get any worse is what I mean to say in the future. That's all. Uh, just went along and rolled with it. And he wrote this, you know, very caricature, very racist uh, dialogue. And um, I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that it's preserved here historically. Um, gosh, I don't know what else to say about it at the moment. I just, it's, it's shocking. It was shocking to read here. And uh, it's shocking how he's depicted. Oh, you know what? I forgot. He is depicted one other place in this issue. And it just, the approach to diversity is interesting. I have no problem with diversity in comics. Take that however you will. Um, 
But um, it's interesting when they try to force diversity into things, how, I don't know, how it comes off and how patronizing it can be. And uh, is Tubby Tinkle Jewish? Is that a small baseball cap or is that a yarmulke or a kippah? I, I can't quite tell. But you can see the uh, Sentinels of Liberty are a diverse group. Betty is involved. She's a woman. She's a white woman. She's an FBI agent. She's involved in these stories. And there is a... It's kind of good that these characters have always been involved, different people from different you know, backgrounds, and I'm just going to say backgrounds, have been involved in these stories. I think it's neat, um, and they all get to be heroic to some extent, uh, even though um, Whitewash Jones is cowardly, and like you can see here mm-hmm. you know, his, by his facial expression, his eyebrows and everything, he's, he's hiding behind Tubby Tinkle. Um, he's scared. He's very worried. He said in the dialogue of this story, you know, as long as they're smaller than me, I, you know, I'm happy to fight them or whatever. And it's just, it's odd. And it was obviously done poorly then. But I wonder if looking back in the future, people will look back at some of the ways that people have tried to include diverse characters in our modern comics and think that it's just as racist and dated. And I wouldn't be shocked if they did, because I think some people um, definitely caricature uh, people of color and whatever, uh, as they include them into these stories today. And I don't know, just thought that was interesting. So I said a couple things. I covered that whole diversity thing I talked about, you know, like what's the focus of cap, um, and just kind of expressed some frustration with that, but it's still entertaining overall. I'm only going to read, um, a couple more issues of cap. I'm going to read up until issue 12, uh, cause I kind of want to sample a work by reading 12 issues or so, uh, and then moving on. And I'll probably, um, you know, I'm going to keep going through some Marvel comics, but just, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that those were some interesting things to talk about. And it'll be interesting to keep my eye on, does Whitewash Jones pop up again? How is he treated as a character? Because I feel like he was treated a little disrespectfully in this. Um, and I'm also going to keep an eye out for, does Cap, like, devolve into this Scooby-Doo mystery adventure you know, villain of the week kind of thing, or does he keep fighting the war? Because I'd prefer that if they're going to do a character like Cap. What are your thoughts? Do you, I'm curious to hear what you think about Whitewash Jones, about me including and kind of archiving this, uh, his treatment and his dialogue and everything. And uh, if you agree that in the future, people will look back at how we, <laughs> or the comic book industry, um, has treated diverse characters and the concept of diversity in the you know late 2010s to you know 2020 whatever um are we are people going to look back at that in the future and look back at how we look back at whitewash jones and think like oh man these people were bad they were fools it was not good of them to do that i think it's an interesting question to ponder if you enjoyed this like comment and share to help me grow don't forget to subscribe to keep current with each release chat with me on twitter at mj underscore scribe Visit mjmunoz.com slash podcasts to find the multiple feeds in which I analyze Star Wars, Tokusatsu, comics, and more. Visit mjmunoz.com slash support for links to my Redbubble and coffee pages so you can help me keep doing the things I do. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until next time, be well, and may you find the strength to be the hero you needed in your most desperate hour.